Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. Today's guest is Lori Sorensen, OD, FAAO, of Lakeline Vision Source in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Dr. Sorensen. Thanks for joining us. We're here to talk about how to have great associate doctors and, for those who are not in a hiring position, how to be a great associate doctor. You have always owned your practice? Uh, No, I started a private practice about uh, 20, when was that? 23 years ago. And, um, but I've had an associate, at least one associate doctor for the majority of those 23 years. I had a second doctor with me on a part-time basis pretty early on because as soon as I started my private practice, I got pregnant and then I ended up on bed rest and I had to miss 11 weeks of work. Then my baby was born. And of course that I went back to work five days after my baby was born and, but I didn't work full time. So I still had somebody else helping me. So I had an associate doctor part-time or very early on. And then I hired another one within another couple of years. So over the, over the 23 or so years that you've been a private practice owner, I'm sure you've um, sort of fine tuned the process for identifying the, the characteristics of a, of a great associate. What's the secret? I think I have. I, I think it's different for different doctors and what they're looking for. If you're looking for a doc to uh, sell your practice to eventually, like work for five or 10 years and sell it, that might be a different type of person that you're looking for. If you are uh, wanting to continue to be the, the CEO of the practice and still see some patients, um, but have several, quite a few associate doctors, I think that's a different type of doctor you're looking for. Um, I think the natural, I talked to a lot of doctors who have trouble with figuring out how to work with their associate doctors, that they're unhappy with their associate doctors. And um, I think a lot of times it's because they have hired the wrong one. And not that there's anything wrong with that person, but they're, they're looking, a lot of these docs that own their own practices, they're looking for somebody that reminds them of themselves. And if you find someone with, and you're a strong entrepreneurial um, spirit, and you go find someone that's just like you, a real go-getter that goes out and and uh, goes to all the different um, uh, meetings around town and is super involved in PTA and doing this and doing that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but a lot of times the mindset of that type of doctor wants to own their own practice eventually and start their own practice. So, I kind of am looking for a little bit different personality that works well in, in my practice. It comes down to how uh, me, how I will handle the associate doctors. And there's lots of different pieces of that puzzle. I see doctors who micromanage their associate docs, which is disrespectful in my opinion. I see um, doctors who expect them to grow their own practice and go out and and bring patients into the practice. I feel that for the most part, that is my job. I'm the business owner. I need to create the business. It's up to the doctor to see the patient in the exam room, ask for referrals in the exam room, but that they're supposed to do their job in the exam room to get a good name there. But it's my job to go out and market to the community to get more patients in the room. So 
So I think that expectations, I, I think you need to understand what your expectations are and that the associate doctor understands that too. And how do you make that clear? Is that as early as, or, or maybe as late as the, uh, the, the interview, or does it even come before that? Um, that's a good question. I think um, it's mostly during the interview. Most of the time when you're interviewing someone, you ask them, well, it depends. On the younger ones, this is true. When you, you're interviewing, say, do you want to own your own practice someday? They've kind of been brainwashed to think, that they always want to own their own practice someday. And if they say they don't, then there's something wrong with them. And that's not true. Um, But I think when they first graduate, if they're only been out a year or two years, they think that that's the right answer. So you have to delve a little deeper, deeper. The docs that I talked to that have been out five or six years, by that point, a lot of them know they do not want the headaches of managing a practice. They want to come in and be a great doctor, have great equipment, have good hours, um, have good support, have a good team of other doctors to be able to discuss patient care, and then they want to go home. They don't want to manage staff and schedules and insurance and all that kind of stuff. And um, I have that's that to me is makes a great associate doctor because they do a great job when they're here, um, and they're also not looking to leave. And yet, you can't say you know, can you commit five years to me? I mean, how how do you kind of sense that, that this is a good fit? I will, I will actually ask a sim- that question. I will say, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And if it's somebody that wants to start their own practice, I will do everything I can to help them make that happen. That's great. That's great. And, and even though these are essentially going to become your competitors, probably somewhere in the area. They're not usually super close, but I don't ever think of other optometrists as competitors. I like to think of all of us together as colleagues. That's great. I know that might sound a little airy-fairy or whatever, but I really do believe that. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Why, when, you know, the patient population and the pie is only so big, how, how can you put yourself in the mindset of thinking of um, others in your profession as, as colleagues and not as, as competitors? If you look at the numbers, there's plenty of patients. There is plenty of patients If people do, if they will, if docs would pay more attention to what happens inside their four walls, instead of worrying what's happening down the street, um, their practices would grow a whole lot faster. When you're constantly worrying about the other guy, instead of what you're doing, um, that's when you don't grow as much. There's, there's plenty of business books that discuss that. Um, good to great is one of them. So looking at uh, associates, I guess one, one question is, how do you know when, when it's time to bring one on? I mean, are you uh, at a certain like 120% booked or is there any kind of formula or is it more a feel? So I, it depends on which, if you're in rural or suburban or urban but generally speaking, in rural areas, it's a little bit different. But if you're in a suburban area and if a patient calls my office and they cannot get an appointment within the next week, they are going to go to the next practice. They're going to go to, down to the next list. So I think that if you're two weeks booked out, you need an associate doctor. I just, I think that's true for anywhere. If you're more than two weeks booked out, you are losing patients unless you're in a rural area where they don't have anybody else to turn to. But if you are in a suburban, urban area where they have options, if you don't have an appointment available in two weeks, you need an associate doctor. 
So I'm pretty black and white about it. How many associates do you have currently? Six. That's a big practice. And I believe you have about 40 staff? Uh, yeah, we have 32 staff plus seven doctors, so 39 total. So your your seven associates, have have you built on that number? I mean, did you start with two and then jump to three and then four? Uh, several of the times I've done part-time and then bring them in full-time. Um, in the old office, we could only run three doctors at a time. So we had five doctors total. And then when we moved into the new location, I knew that my long-term goal was to run five doctors at a time. We started off with four doctors at a time the first uh, two years and then went to five doctors at a time. So um, the five, that's where seven of us actually keep five doctors running at all times. Actually, four to five. It's not always five. So your practice is buzzing. I mean, if you've got uh, five doctors and the staff to support them and the patients to, to fill the chairs, there's just constant movement in that location, isn't there? There is. There is. I, um, we do our best to try to keep the, I don't want to say keep the energy down, but to where it feels, again, where you can breathe, right. um, which had a lot to do with the design that we did. We actually just recently spent $24,000 on sound baffling panels in our ceiling and our optical to make it calmer and quieter out there. Um, because during Christmas it got really busy and I did not like the way it felt because it was just, it was too much noise and commotion out there and it helped tremendously. It was amazing how much it helped. That's interesting. And um, so are, are the doctors, even though their interests uh, in terms of business might be different from yours, are their personalities similar to yours? No. <laughs> There's not one single person that's similar to me. Um, no, in my my last associate doctor is my son. The last one we hired, he graduated a year ago, so he has he has joined the management team. So he's a little bit different than the other associate doctors, even though he gets paid the same way. He uh, does um, participate in the administration meetings and. Um, coaching and he's managing the technicians education and things like that. Um, but generally speaking, no, they're all, they're all different. Um, we do a lot of personality profiling type stuff in our, in our practice. Um, and there is definitely some differences in the, in, with the different doctors. Um, but several of them are similar, but none of them are like me at all. How much thought goes into bringing an associate in to, to kind of help you create balance in your own life? For, so my situation was a little different than most. I think a lot of people get to where they're so busy or their kids get to be a certain age. So they decide that, you know, they, they want to bring an associate doctor. So they have work-life balance. For me, because I started my private practice and ended up on bed rest and had to go back when my baby was only five days old, I never did see patients again for 30 or 40 hours a week. So I had learned how to run a business and see patients 20, 25 to 30 hours a week um, from day one in my new business. And, um, so I didn't make a lot of money at the beginning, <laughs> but I figured out how to make that work, but it's definitely through having good procedures and policies and systems mostly in place, um, with using associate doctors to help you with all of that. And, uh, and that's the only way that I've been able to have the balance and be able to do all the different things that I do, which, you know, being an administrator, I teach at the University of Houston. I do some lecturing. 
Um, I work with the Texas Optometric Association. I'm the PAC chair there. Um, always been involved with all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't have done that if I didn't have associate doctors. Right. But how how do you address, or or is it perhaps not an issue? I think sometimes doctors think that uh, it's going to be difficult for a patient to come in and say, well, I, I want to see Dr. Sorensen. When, when can I see her? So I always, when people ask me that, when doctors call me and say, I'm bringing an associate doctor, what do I do? The first thing I tell every associate doctor is go do eye exams on everybody who answers the phone. Become the eye doctor of the person who makes the appointments. So now when the person calls and says, I want an appointment, I say, well, you can see the doctor you've been seeing in two weeks, or you can see our new doctor. She's my eye doctor. She's great. She has an appointment available tomorrow. That's brilliant. Yeah. Makes a huge difference. And my son took that to heart and he did that. He has on, he goes up and helps them do their, their tasks and their chores and make sure that they, they know that he will take every walk in every emergency, that they never have to worry about him getting upset about them messing up a schedule so that they, and he gets booked really quickly considering he's the last uh, doctor that ever um, that came on board with us. Right. Right. And, uh, um, but that, that, uh, uh, endorsement from somebody who answers the phone must be, must be a big one to have somebody say, yeah, okay, okay I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Every time I tell a doctor to do that, they go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But you have to also do a little bit of training with the staff on how to answer the phone. Right. So, so what I find too is docs who bring in associate doctors, they get kind of possessive about their previous patients. They need to bring in their own patients. These are my patients. Well, if that's your mindset, you don't want an associate doctor. My mindset is I want them to see as many patients as possible. Um, and I don't, I just assume that they were my previous patients. Now, if my patients want to see me, obviously I'll do that. But if we can convince them to see the other doctor, that's the best thing for my practice. Did you grow into that idea? Because I think it's very hard to, to let go of projects, people, you know, things that you associate with, with something that you cultivated. So I don't think I really ever had a, a problem with it. I will tell you the way that I pay my associate doctors helps tremendously because they get paid a straight percentage. So theoretically, every pen, every time they make money, I make a little bit of money. So the more they make, the more I make. Of course, if I see the patient, I make even more, but I also had to work harder to, to make that money. But every time they see a patient, I'm making money. Um, and they're, and the more, so the more they make, the more I make. So I, the idea of getting them booked, um, it, it just, that the way I pay them helps with my whole mindset. And I think it helps with their mindset too. Because, um, you can go to the grocery store and still make some money. <laughs> and they can too, because they're paid straight percentage. They can be off and their patient can come in the door and, and buy some contact lenses or glasses and they still get their percentage. Right. Right. So they have a, an opportunity to, to sort of not feel like they have to be there 47 hours a week. Correct. My uh, associate doctors, one works 36 hours and all the rest work between 25 and 29. And when I say work, I'm talking about seeing patients. Um, we all know we spend more time than that being an optometrist between CE and looking at records and, and things like that. But um, they see patients between 25 to 29 hours, except for one, which is my son. He sees patients 36 hours because he has so much student loan debt. He needs to pay it off. <laughs> yeah. 
That's right. So lucky, lucky for him, he had a place to uh, a place to land, mm-hmm. right? So. I would, the only other thing I would say about um, making sure that your associate doctors and you are on the same page is to have routine meetings. We try to have a weekly doctor meeting. And so we sit down once a week and we review um, policies, procedures, if, what kind of issues they're having with any staff. Um, we even bring up patient cases um, that we get input from each other. So we, and we'll skip one about one a month. So we probably meet at least three times a, a month um, that we sit down and, and go through things. And what we've recently done is we take turns who's going to run the meeting so it doesn't all fall on me anymore. And that's worked out really well because they do a really good job of running the meeting themselves. And um, I think that's really valuable. It teaches, it, it makes sure that everybody's on the same page. I'm a big believer that in business, things have to be super consistent. So if a patient walks in the door and if they see Dr. A and, they're, and they have a certain prescription and a certain problem and they're fit with a certain type of contact lens, but if they saw Dr. B, they would have been fit into a different lens. I don't think that's the right thing. I think there are best practices. And when we all meet together, we can all decide what lenses we use in certain situations, what medications we use with certain different medical conditions, what our glaucoma protocol is, all those types of things that we come up with best practices so that when a patient walks in the door, it doesn't really matter which doctor they see, they're going to get a very similar type of care. So I'm a, I'm a real big believer in that. I'm not a micromanager. I don't try to tell them what to do, but I think as a group, we can come together and decide what best practices are. And if you don't meet on a routine basis, you can't do that. And I think it's interesting. You just said what we decide the best practices are, because I think there's sometimes the tendency to say, this is the way that I've always done it. So this is the best practice. Oh, I get outvoted. Quite often, actually. That's great. That's that's funny. Um, well, Dr. Sorensen, thank you so much for your time and your uh, insights and how to be a uh, how to be and how to hire a great uh, associate doctor, so that you can uh, be productive and enjoy life and and enjoy your practice as it as it continues. Um, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.